Thank you for the opportunities you have given us this week. Pray for Leo um, that Emily got a chance to talk with and share the gospel with. Lord, we pray that you would open his eyes to see that you are no trifling matter. You are not an option to take or leave, but you are the sovereign God who will judge all of us and uh, that he desperately needs a savior. Lord, we pray for his soul and that you would draw him to yourself. Uh, Lord, we even pray for upcoming um, uh, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, Lord, where uh, this is really the highlight of our year um, as Christians. And even, even in a sense, people recognize that. They know there's something special um, about what happened on Resurrection Sunday. And so I just pray, even as we have visitors, uh, even as we invite people to come to services, that they wouldn't just come and come for one Sunday, but they would come and remain, and that you would change them uh, for the sake of your name and your glory. Uh, please bless our time now as we talk uh, again over transformation and how it happens and how we can be that holy people you've called us to be. And I pray that you bless this morning in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so uh, we are talking about um, holiness. Uh, we have been talking about holiness. Uh, and basically what we've said is God has called us to be holy because he is holy. Uh, he is un incomparable. He is in a class by himself. He belongs to himself. Uh, and yet he has called a people uh, to reflect that, uh, to, um, to reflect that. So he's called us positionally through Christ to be a holy people, and then we grow, we transform, really growing in Christian maturity is growing in reflecting that holy calling that we've already been called to. Um, so that's, uh, that's what we've been talking about. And we've talked about transformation. Uh, really, when we talk about that transformation, uh, we talked about 2 Corinthians 3, where the transformation is really described in terms of being conformed to the image of Christ, who is the image of God, which is reflecting that Genesis 1, 26 through 28 language. That's who we're designed to be. We are designed to be image bearers. We are designed to be uh, uh, those who behold God's glory uh, and then, like mirrors, reflect that out uh, and demonstrate that to the creation. Well, that was marred by the fall but Christ is the perfect image bearer, and so really, as we grow and transform and reflect our holy standing, we're transforming into the image of Christ. We said that happens. 2 Corinthians 3 talks about it through the gospel, right? Through the gospel, we see Christ's glory, like a mirror. The word is the mirror. We see the glory of Christ through the word. We behold the glory of Christ, and the Spirit is the one who transforms us. The indwelling Spirit transforms us into the image of Christ. But then there's, the, this, there's this reality of how, how does that, what does that look like? Uh, uh, how does that happen? And we talked about grace. Grace trains us. Seeing God's grace, seeing the grace of the gospel trains us uh, to renounce sin. And we talked about that pattern. Put off, renew, put on. Put off, renew, put on. That's our work. That's our labor uh, in putting off the old nature, renewing our minds, and putting on the new nature. And we said from Romans 6, we don't have to sin. Uh, there is no, there's never a time in the Christian life where a Christian has to sin anymore because of our union with Christ. Because of what he has done, we don't have to sin. And so as we talk about that, we, we, we set all that groundwork. And then last week we started talking about the means of grace. So grace is what transforms us. We were talking with the aspiring men this last um, uh, Friday that we usually think about grace in terms of our initial salvation. But grace is over the whole Christian life. It's power for us to change. Um, and so when we talk about the means of grace, what we're saying is here are the things we must do. If we want to grow, here are the things we 
we ought to be doing. Uh, now, if we do these things, that doesn't guarantee, it's not like a rubbing the magic lamp, like, oh yeah, I'm going to do these things and therefore I'm going to change. In all of this, we are absolutely, utterly dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us into the image of Christ. So, um, it's both and. Uh, Philippians 2.12-13, through 13, uh, work out, not work for, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's already been given to you. Why? For God is at work within you, both to work, will and to work for his good pleasure. We work, we labor, we, do, we work hard, we seek to be disciplined, we seek the means of grace, uh, like that trusting farmer. The farmer can, uh, needs to hoe, he needs to weed, he needs to plow, he needs to plant in order to get good crops. But if he does all of those things, he can do all of those things, and yet nothing can ha- will happen unless God acts through rain, through sunshine, through all of those things. It's similar with the Christian life. Uh, we are utterly dependent on God, and yet we must use those means of grace to grow. So we talked last week about the Word. The Word, we could really think of in a lot, a lot of ways, is the primary means of grace, especially the Gospel. It's that mirror that reflects to us the glory of Christ, which transforms us. And so we talked about where do we get the word? We get the word preached. That's even um, primarily throughout history how people have gotten the word. Uh, They didn't have their own Bibles to take at home. So they came for the reading of the scriptures, the preaching of the scriptures. But then we said not only in the sermon, but also in the ordinances. In the Lord's Supper and baptism, it's a visual, multi-sensory picture of the gospel. Through baptism, someone's dying with Christ and being raised with Christ. That's a visual presentation of the gospel. It's a visual presentation of the word. The Lord's Supper, it's uh, Christ's uh, body being broken. It's his blood shed to purchase for himself a people. That is a visual, multi-sensory picture of the gospel. It's the word seen. Uh, It's the word preached. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're still under that talking about the word. The word is a means of grace. We need to avail ourselves of the word to be transformed. So we talk about preaching. We talk about the ordinances uh, as visual presentations of the word, uh, visual proclamations of the word. Let's think about a couple more. Um, Let's talk about the word as being read and meditated on. And that's the one we normally think about when we think about the word, ingesting the word. The word read and meditated on. Uh, Let's turn to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. This should be a familiar psalm to you, uh, but this is where we see this this idea of the word uh, uh, being meditated on. Someone read Psalm 1 when they get there. All right, pause. Okay, I'm going to push play here and again in a second. But um, what, uh, what, where do we see the word here? Yeah, counsel. So you don't stand in, we're always being counseled. Uh, so don't stand in the counsel of sinners and scoffers. Okay, um, we don't do that, but what do we do? What, what is the, what is the, the law, right? And the law, when you see that word law in the Old Testament, it's the word Torah, which means instruction. We, we tend to think of law as like, it's a legal code. Well, yeah, it is that, but it's actually more than that. It's instruction. It's teaching. It's counsel, right? And so what you see here is the law of Yahweh, uh, the Torah of Yahweh, the instruction of Yahweh. And on his instruction, 
He meditates day and night. The idea of meditation, uh, it's literally, like the word in Hebrew is like mumbling under your breath. Uh, that's the idea. And that's, if you've ever thought about something intensely, you know what you're talking about. Ashley will attest to this. Like when I'm thinking about something really intensely, I'll start like muttering under my breath about it and like talking about myself and like not finishing my sentences and stuff like that because I'm meditating. I'm meditating on something. That's what it means to meditate, right? Um, uh, to meditate on God's word. And we do that day and night. Um, what's the result? Okay, Ken, go ahead and start us back off on verse 3. So we see the results. Uh, if you, you really got the two paths um, here that are, that are spoken of, right? If you are the one who's meditating on the word, not just, okay, I'm taking in information, but I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm letting it soak into my heart. I'm letting it soak into my heart. I'm letting it change my actions. Then what's the result? You're like a tree, right? We talk about growth, tree by water uh, that prospers, prospers in the sense of truly prospering, not not necessarily physical, you know, in physical terms of physical blessings, but prospering in life. This is the good life versus the wicked who, you have got the counsel of the wicked who are not meditating on the law of the Lord. Uh, they are ultimately headed for judgment, right? Um, so you see that portrayal here. So this is a good, uh, one of those good uh, reminders in Psalm 1. How do we grow? How do we uh, what's the means of grace? Of course, we can hear the word preach. We can hear the word preach through the ordinances. But we also need to be in a habit of reading and meditating. Not just reading, okay, I took that in and then I left that and go, went away, but meditation uh, and thinking and letting it soak and impress itself on your heart. Uh, any questions or comments up to, to this point? Re Mm-hmm. Yep. Good. What's interesting, and that's a good connection that right there, just this is for free. Um, that language you hear in Joshua, meditating on the law day and night, it's like, hey, wait a minute, Psalm 1 said the same thing. Well, in the Hebrew canon, it's organized by the law, the first five books. The, the next book, the start of the prophets, which is the next major section in the Old Testament in the Hebrew canon, is uh, Joshua, and you talk, it ta starts with talking about meditating on God's word. The last uh, main uh, section in the Hebrew canon is the writings, which starts with Psalms and starts with Psalm 1, which talks about the very same thing, meditating on God's word. God's word is central to the, uh, to the whole storyline of Scripture. Why? Well, it starts in Genesis 1. Through the Word, God creates life. Through the, um, the living Word, through Jesus Christ, the incarnate Word, He creates life. Uh, His Word is uh, central to how God acts in the world. So uh, that's a good thing to, to keep in mind. I'm glad you brought, took us there, Eden. So. Okay, let's look at one more in Psalms. Uh, there's, if you... 
if you were to go to one psalm that would talk about like meditating on God's word, uh, and we're not going there next, but uh, if you were to talk about one psalm in the book of Psalms that talks about meditating on God's word, what psalm would that be? 119, which is just like 22 stanzas about uh, one for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet uh, talking about meditating on God's word and how good it is and how it transforms us. Uh, but let's go to the, the, the Reader's Digest version of that in Psalm 19. Um, Psalm 19. So uh, let someone read Psalm 19, starting with the heading. Um, uh, Psalm 19, uh, verses 1 through 6. Uh, just through verse 6, please. So, uh, what do you see there? What's going on? What's, a, what's David? So, this is a psalm of David. What's, um, what's David talking about in those first few verses? Yeah, general revelation. Uh, God reveals in two primary ways. Uh, general revelation means how he reveals himself through creation. And that's what the author's talking about. He's saying God does reveal himself through creation. There's no speech, there's no words, but the communication is clear. Um, in, in the created order, in the glory of creation uh, that it portrays. So we've got a general revelation. General revelation is never enough to save. It's just enough to let you know that there's God and that he exists and even that he's good uh, because he gives us seasons, he gives us uh, rain and, and things to grow, but it's never enough to save, right? Uh, that's what general revelation does. Now we turn a corner and the next section we talk about the other main category of revelations, God's speech, uh, special revelation. Uh, so someone go ahead and read uh, 7 through 11. So, um, what do you see? So, all of these terms um, are synonyms for the scriptures. The law of the Lord, or the instruction of Yahweh. The testimony of Yahweh. The precepts of Yahweh. The commandments of Yahweh. The fear of Yahweh. That's funny. That's a synonym for the scriptures. The rules of Yahweh. 
um, all of these things, and how are they described? What's he, what are some things that stick out to you? Right and true, right? So they're, that, that's another way we could think of they're, they're inerrant, right? Uh, they're right, they're righteous, they teach us right and wrong, uh, and they're true, right? They're entirely trustworthy. What else? Yeah, if this is what God's word does, all of the things he describes about it, boy, this is, this is more to be desired than honey, which is the sweetest thing they were aware of in the ancient world. Um, so, like, I think the sweetest thing we're aware of is, like, um, the frosting on the cake, right? That stuff is super sickly sweet. Um, but uh, maybe it's not as desirable. But in any case, um, or gold, right? The most precious metal, um, at least as far as they're aware of. Um, that um, these are, the, if this is what God's word does, it's, it's beyond the, the sweetest thing you could imagine. It's beyond the most valuable thing you could imagine. What else does he describe God's word does? So the right and true, what else? They warn, it warns. God's word warns. Absolutely. What else? Makes the simple wise. We are simple people. I'm a simple person. Uh, and to, uh, I, we need wisdom. We need good counsel. We need the scriptures, right? Good. What else? Yeah, it gives us joy. Um, it gives us joy. That's, that's why we come to the scriptures. We ultimately come to the scriptures because it shows us God's glory and God's glory is our greatest good. We want to behold the majesty of God, the beauty of God, because that rejoices our heart. Um, absolutely. Um, God created us for joy, joy in him, satisfaction in him. What else? Anything else there? Yeah, there's great reward in seeking these um, things, in keeping the scriptures, not just in hearing them, but in keeping the scriptures there's great reward. Yeah. Yeah, it endures forever. It's righteous. It reflects God's character. It's in, uh, because it's the words of God, it reflects his character. It speaks to us about God. It is not God, but it, re it reflects who God is. That's why we come to it, right? It's that mirror. We want to see God's glory. We want to behold him, and we want to love him better. So we come to the mirror uh, we come to the scriptures to know him better. Yeah, good. All right, let's finish it up. Um, I'll finish it out. Uh, Psalm 19, verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Uh, we don't know the ultimate depths of all of the sin in our hearts. We just don't. Declare me innocent from in hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Yahweh, my rock and my redeemer, to the choir master. So um, that's, um, that's where we see this idea of meditating, marinating. Uh, we desire God's word. We hunger for God's word because it changes us. It transforms us. Any other lingering thoughts? So we're, if we think about means of grace, the heading that we're under is God's word. We talked about God's word preached through the sermon, through the ordinances. Now we're talking about God's word read and meditated on, and we're about to leave that. But any kind of uh, lingering thoughts before we move on? Yeah. Uh, High-handed sins. So there, what you see, especially in Leviticus, is there, there's unintentional.